Hello and welcome to the Zenithesis Podcast. In this episode, episode 52, we're covering chapters 7 and 8 from part 4 home of book 2 Adulted Rites of the Xenogenesis Trilogy by Octavia E. Butler. This is the, the final episode covering Adulted Rites. The last two chapters. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Michael. Hello. Good, thank you. Um... Uh, so I jumped in because I was excited about the whole, uh, you know, end of the book because I'm really looking forward to the the next one. Mm-hmm. Just the whole, the uh, excitement of the final book, but at the same time, it's just it's already been two books. Yeah, <laughs> uh, fifty two episodes, a nice uh, a nice neat year's worth of weeks. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's just um, mm-hmm. it's been a hell of a journey um, starting. With the, with the recordings, you know, learning things, how to do, and then now we're on finish. We are, we have, we are finishing book two. It's mm. great. Yep. Two thirds of the way there. Yeah. Uh, so, what did you make of the the wrap up of uh, of this book? Just a um, quick general. Uh, you know, like you said in the last episode, it's like first mm. book was sort of sort of nicely contained within itself, and you know because it was successful, Octavia Butler started writing the second one, and then it, this one's more open ended as a continuation for the next one, right? So mm-hmm. it it sort of you, you perfectly you know describe why well, how it felt like like oh okay, um, they're just basically you know. T- it's just uh, this is just finished because she couldn't write it any thicker uh, for the timing because the publisher was like no no you can't do it anymore so then you know we're gonna split it in the two two you know two books so that's basically how you know how it feels like. Hmm. I mean, there's a certain amount of narrative conclusion, but uh, there does, there's definitely a more open ended feel yeah. at the end of this one than there is at the the end of the yeah, first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, to yeah. be fair, like. Um, I don't know, obviously, what's going to happen in the new book, but this this book has been literally Akin's life, right? Hmm. Yeah. But let's maybe finish the book and then we can have a uh, yes chapter yeah. discussion on so, that. Uh, shall we jump into your predictions for chapter seven? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, my chapter seven predictions were that. You know those men from earlier, so from the chapter six, and when they're trying to get those, just trying to get into the uh, Gabe's house, um, trying to do something, you know, to Akin, um, you know, release their frustration on a um, person or a being that can't do anything because they're literally paralyzed. You know, I thought that they will try to do something, like mm-hmm. try to raid the house at night. And kill him, or you know, uh, do something uh, to him, and then maybe in the process something would happen to Tate and Gabe, or Gabe, right? Um, mm-hmm. Trying to defend Akin, knowing well yeah. that he's the only way to uh, for humanity to survive. Hmm. Yeah, and that, um, that more or less plays out, right? Uh, something, yeah, you know, attacks the house in an interesting way. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess it's yeah. Let's get to it, I guess, and then we can have a more of a disc- sure. uh, discussion. Like so, in chapter seven, we start with Akin awakening in the house, um, actually being on fire. That's that's the mm. reason why we you know what they did. You know, like um, as he describes initially, the sound reminded him of rain, but then 
the smoke scent came in, making him realize that the house was actually on fire. And um, to be fair, that's that's probably the worst way. It is probably the worst way to go. Um, you know, it's uh, it's up there. Yep. Yeah. Because I mean, uh, I don't know who established that, but on the pain, uh, on the pain scale, being burned alive is the top of the top. So yeah, I mean, I think you usually asphyxiate first. I mean, in, yes, in, if if, if you're lucky, fire. if you're lucky, yeah. yes. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so it's I don't I don't think it was a nice it would be nice way to go if. Uh, if if given the choice um yeah no not not top of my list <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it was dark and no one was with aranakin initially um he sort of remember when he woke up we really like he realized that like actually macy wilton was with him with a gun a double barreled gun that akin has never seen before um but he mm. left to investigate when he heard some strange no- noises outside of the house mm. um fun fact but, mm-hmm. uh, about me only ever gun I fired was a double-barreled shotgun, a vertically stacked double-barreled one. They're quite interesting. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? Uh, you know the classic double-barrel is like side by side. Yes. But um, the one I fired was uh, do- uh, stacked on top. Ah, oh, okay, okay. I right. see, I see. Yeah. Oh my god, how was it? Yeah. Yeah, quite fun. That was clay pigeon shooting. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, how, like how did um um you know the the recoil how did it feel it's it, i mean as long as you hold the gun uh, like right against your shoulder so it's uh-huh. not actually correctly rather than right <laughs> yes yeah. right then it's fine right <laughs> okay okay uh, i yeah, see but... i see that's not, that's awesome i want to go go to one day to a, like a shooting range or something to feel like to see how how it actually feels you know but but anyway that's good fun actually yeah and quite a lot of them up in Scotland. So. Oh, okay. I need to check out. I need to check out then. Um, but yeah. So Macy Wilton actually heard some noises and went to investigate. But now he's gone. And we don't know how much time has passed since he's gone. But now Akin could hear some whispers of people um, outside speaking about throwing something on the walls and the porch of the house. Uh, most likely a flammable liquid. Now considering the fact that you know, the building was on fire. Uh, one of the people was getting closer towards the window where Akin was lying underneath. And um, we know that like the person stumbled and fell. And Akin could tell that they actually they must have been drunk and the person um based on the sound um that they made um was one of the people the the actual specifically the person who was trying to get past gabe on the day before and the other person uh in fact who was uh talking to the to the man was nessie our good old friend Nessie, who tried to <laughs> scalp uh, Ammerschacht, now was actually trying to murder akin so I thought nice. you'd enjoy the return of. Uh, oh, of I always I'll enjoy the return of the of the characters we all hate. So, <laughs> yeah, Akin was still you know confused with the fact that you know, where's Macy or Gabe or Titus because he was all alone. How could there be so much fire and no one waking up? You know, and um, he started to shout um, um, Tate and Gabe's names, but trying to move, but no one was coming. Eventually, the fire um, made into his room, and the smoke started accumulate more and more. Um, you know, initially choking Akin, but then he discovered that 
during his metamorphosis, he had another orifice around his throat, um, um, as Octavia calls it, a ser at his throat. That um, mm. instead, not, so he could breathe through that, and the tentacles that were surrounding the opening uh, allowed to filter the smoke from the air, so it allowed him to breathe uh, a bit easier. Uh, but nonetheless, there was no one coming to rescue, and if he died, well, humanity's chances to survive as humanity would be gone. Yep, so <laughs> Neki and her uh, desire to keep humanity going added arsonist to her resume and potentially uh, doomed murderer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to be honest, that, that lady was a psychopath from the very beginning. If you thought that, you know, like scalping the girls was, you know, like, oh, they will not remember it when they grow older. It's just argument is sufficient enough. Mm. Uh, that just proves that this person should have been, you know, she should have been one stolen by the raids, not uh, kidnapped by the raids, not not anybody else. Mm. And this, um, this uh, sad orifice yeah that, uh, uh, Akin has um, I, I, we couldn't find anywhere where that's a, 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 a real word we think it's like a, a, a new coinage yeah uh, by Octavia Butler orifice. yeah yeah um, no, uh, and yeah. also mm. it, it seems to be doing fairly impressive filtering the... yeah actually that's that's the mm. thing like it's it's I mean yeah <laughs> I mean, the particles of the smoke, I can imagine maybe it's stopping some of the ash floating in the air, but like particles of the smoke burning are, are be quite small, for, you know, f- um, to be yeah, filtered out. They're pretty varied. Um, uh-huh. There's some, some big ones, but there's quite a lot of, of the, you know, PM 2.5 kind mm-hmm. of sub, um, uh, well, yeah, sub two and a half micrometer diameter particles. Yep. A lot of stuff in kind of the one micrometer range. Um, which means it's probably got filtering that's sort of roughly on par with an N95, <laughs> now that everyone knows what those are. <laughs> it's, I, it's, <laughs> I see what you, why you pointed out, I guess. Now I think everybody who listens will know what they, uh, what they are. No, but honestly, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? Like, it just feels... Mm. Um, but then again... Yeah, be quite nice. But then again, like, I mean, if an Onkali can make a orifice a hole within their body just like that to give birth anywhere on their body then um at this point it doesn't you know it's it's not really that surprising is it mm-hmm. yeah but it, it, it's not gonna um insulate him from all the smoke particles uh for for, for long right so it's, yeah uh, yeah absolutely still it, gonna be in trouble yeah. Plus, also the accumulation of carbon dioxide. I mean, unless um, or and carbon monoxide, depending on how how well the mm. uh, wood is burning of the ha- mm. in the house. But um, I wonder. That's that's an interesting um, actually uh, topic because um, we know that the um, the onkali can breathe out underwater right they can mm. actually uh, take oxygen out of uh, from the water and we know mm. that there's not that much oxygen dissolved in water for survival so it means that there might that the oxygen required for the survival is actually uh, the amount of oxygen they need is lower than the mm. human right yeah probably relatively tolerant of low oxygen environments mm. yeah so if there's a lot of um, carbon monoxide that still might be a problem for them yes yeah 
yeah, that 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 mean. But then again, like with uh mm, actually though that's that's an interesting fact because you know when carbon monoxide binds to the hemoglobin, the iron in the hemoglobin molecule, it actually binds in a way that is irreversible. Yeah. So if Don Kali have the same sort of circulatory system as we do or similar in some way that would mean that you know they would have to they would have to make their bodies to break down the you know hemoglobin in hemoglobin mm. in their body quickly so that they can re remake more red blood cells to like catch more oxygen uh, to compensate for mm -hmm. that because I cannot imagine them being able to recycle that because it's it is a covalent bond I mean unless they can you know mm. they have some enzymes that can you know catalyze the breaking of the o oxygen from the iron but that I don't know yeah, but that'd be pretty tricky to do I think yeah yeah there's a decent chance they'd have to recycle their hemoglobin equivalent um but uh yeah it's a uh, interesting um I can't do we ever get an account of what color their blood is? No, I don't think so. Although, so although I've yeah, seen them bleed. Yeah, we ha we've we were told they were bleeding because yeah. um uh, Nikanj, Nikanj in the book one got uh, hit by a machete, um hmm. by I don't remember what was his name, another psycho, uh, yeah. um, but hmm. so there was quite a serious injury. Uh, yes. I think it. I think it was also red, right? But uh, yeah, I was just thinking because we do have a couple of organisms with um, copper-based, yes, team-like groups, the yes. sort of equivalent like horseshoe crabs. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, use and they, and basically, their blood is blue because of the mm. copper in it. But um, I don't know. Actually, I really don't know. I we would need to check the book one again and see if there's description. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's an interesting aspect that like one on Kali need less oxygen, obviously, and two, they must have some system that helps them to counter the, um, you know, poisoning with carbon monoxide, because mm -hmm. otherwise, you know, Akin would be probably gone really quickly uh, if he stayed in the in that room any longer. Yeah. But yeah, going back to the book, so uh, you know, Akin uh, tried to um, shouting again. Uh, but now he was choking himself because he had two orifices and he didn't really know which one, how to use them simultaneously. Since one was yeah, worth talking, the other one was breathing. He's, he's still like, like learning the interface to his new post metamorphosis body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. Like you, you know, you breathe with your mouth and then suddenly, like, uh, basically, you know, as if you had tracheotomy. Tommy, is that how do you pronounce it? Tracheotomy. Uh, yeah, I think it's a tracheotomy, right? Yeah, yeah tracheotomy. Yeah. yeah, when you make a hole in your throat, and then like, you, if you want to speak, you have to close that hole to actually speak. Otherwise, you know, the air doesn't go through your vocal cords. So, um, but then you know, him, him forgetting that he shouldn't be breathing through his mouth. I can imagine like this. This is like, oh, why am I breathing? Choking? Oh yeah, because I'm breathing with my mouth, and I shouldn't have. Um, but yeah, eventually, I can manage to move enough to fall off the bed you know like just roll off the bed and once he was on the floor he tried to roll towards the door but then stopped because he felt vibrations of the floor and he knew that someone was coming towards him and once they were in the room he recognized that it was Gabe's footsteps he shouted to get his attention and you know when Gabe located him he quickly grabbed, grabbed him threw him over his shoulder 
Um, and as they were escaping, um, they fell once, um, gave coughing, seared by the heat, but then stood up again. And um, Grabakin ran towards the end of you know back door, kicked open it, and then just just lunged out, you know, outside of the to the outside, and still on fire. Um, mm. So at the time, Gabe had to uh, drop Akin again. I mean, the amount of time Akin's been <laughs> dropped on the ground. Um, yeah. But then th- there was a reason because he needed to roll himself around to t- to put out the fire. Mm. So then you know eventually. Once the fire was put down, you know, uh, put out, um, Cape, you know, lifted Akin and then they started moving towards the unknown direction. And when asked uh, where they were going, um, didn't get any re- uh, answer because Gabe seemed to be focused only to moving forward. One, because of the pain and two, because, you know, mm-hmm. the shortening of the breath, you know, breathing all that um, smoke and, you know, being on set on fire is probably good enough to, like, but there's one task moving forward, and that's what he he should focus on, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, smoke inhalation's no joke. Yeah, it's it's really nasty. I mean, like you you can tell, like if you have a you know campfire and then suddenly smoke gets into your face, it's just like that's enough for you to choke enough. And imagine like being in the b- room that's basically filled with smoke. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's an interesting one with like like wood fires, right? Like humans, like, we have we have like a weird affinity for wood fires. Like it's, the smell, right? Yeah, there's some like deep evolutionary memory of, <laughs> of like, you know, fire is home. Yes. Um, but like, yeah, they're they're terrible environmentally, and for like, you know, uh, the, the, if, if you're smelling the wood smoke, you're breathing in particles that are not great for your lungs, even though it smells great. It's, it's kind of annoying. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. Even though that oil, uh, tasty steak or you know whatever corn on the straight from fire uh, mm. would taste amazing with the, you know whatever wood the oak or whatever you can maybe using for burning uh, you know burning on the campfire, but realistically it's not good <laughs> to breathe that smoke in. Yeah. But yeah. Um, as they were walking, suddenly Gabe fell again, but this time on top of Akin. So Akin quickly locked himself with the man and paralyzed his movements. He then told uh, the man not to move so that he can heal him. Um, his lungs were severely damaged and the burns on him must have been very painful. Although Gabe, uh, like a man, didn't say anything, obviously. No, no complaints, just keep moving forward. Um, mm. Luckily for both for them, they were surrounded by cornfields, so nobody could spot them. Unfortunately, though, it was a dry season and fire was spreading fast. Like, no, not from just on the building, but on from building to building and on the area around. So they were in yeah. danger not only from the fire, but also they could hear people pursuing them. So hmm. pursuing them, like the 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 towns on fire, people. <laughs> they, yeah, exactly. They have more pressing issues. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Akim told him, though, that they are going to be busy trying to put the fire out, so he should focus on staying quiet while Akin is uh, healing him. Here's a excerpt from book. I won't make you sleep, so you might feel something, but I won't hurt you. I heard so bad already, I probably wouldn't know if you did. Akin interrupted the messages uh, of pain that Gabe's nerves were sending to his brain and encouraged his brain to secrete specific endorphins. Gabe gasped when the pain was suddenly gone, but it, mu- it must have been comforting, but for Akin it was torture because he felt the pain now. But eventually, mm. uh, he also cut away that pain and you know, both of them didn't feel any discomfort and Akin could focus on the healing. Uh, I wonder if, um, mm-hmm. I wonder if he, uh, Gabe was still getting that. 
another weird thing where you have a local anesthetic and you can still feel the touch like, feel what yeah. they're doing but it yeah. doesn't hurt yeah that's, yeah that's very yeah no i it's, absolutely it's know what you mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that feel like oh you, that that feel touch i just felt it and you're like oh really you shouldn't be like i'm literally touching your gut and like <laughs> that whole thing <laughs> yeah that's a yeah very strange sensation um like, this this should definitely hurt <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that i should be screaming in pain but i don't feel anything that feels that's mm. interesting um yeah. you know that's really like speaking of that like the most weird desire it must be when they're doing brain surgeries and you know like those when do you have to be awakened mm. and that you'd be awake and then like you, you see on the screen like you can see you're they're touching your brain but obviously brain doesn't have any nerve endings so the only anesthetic yeah, you're given is not to feel pain. So, but like, it's, they're still touching your flesh, and you're just like, they're touching you basically. <laughs> yeah, and they just like you know poke around in there with a little like um, probe thing, and like for um, I mean, they, I think they, they've done it for things like people who have a particular skill, and they want to make sure they don't damage the part of their brain yes. that does the skill right so it's things like they have like a guy playing a violin while yeah, he's absolutely. having brain surgery so they can make sure they don't wreck his ability to play the violin yeah <laughs> it's, like, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty uh, crazy like for me this is the my and the most mind destroying idea that you know like people doing surgery on your brain that very organ that basically defines who you are and hmm any wrong movement movement and you're it, it's gone you're gone something's going to happen and it's going to be it will affect you forever yeah that's just a, a very surreal uh thing and and the kind of like <clears throat> um you know, like trial and error nature of that it's just, it's yeah. just so disturbing <laughs> yeah um i read a book about uh from a um, neurosurgeon um his name was um give me a second um i think you mentioned him before yeah i did definitely um, mention him before um what was his name uh, uh henry marsh do not harm hmm. stories like oh, death yes. and brain yeah. surgery um that's 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 the one i've uh, i mentioned before and yeah he he mentions about the whole idea of like you know new brain surgeons and like you know the, the horrifying feeling that like you know you open the brain or do something with nerves and like people don't trust like hmm. um young surgeons obviously but we need people to get experience to have more brain surgeon neurosurgeons and then you know he talks about the whole idea for example of a new like a young neurosurgeon for example um doing some sort of easy surgery that technically should be on like the spinal cord and suddenly pulls out a nerve and the doctor just like as the doctor walks in and he just sees that and he's just like what the fuck have you done type of you know thing yeah okay yeah it's a it's a super hard thing to practice even if you were doing it on, i like, mean yeah like as well right yeah especially for something like uh for like a, a cognitive ability right you yeah can't, you can't like you know keep a sheep awake and check if it can still play the violin <laughs> yeah exactly so it's just like like yeah reading that 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 book just really makes you realize that you no know, yes one way you do want to have um a surgeon who is experienced but then again mm. you need to have a surgeon that has experienced that and you need we need more neurosurgeons that can experience you know the surgery like doing those surgeries 
type of mm. thing. And it's just like, it is scary. Like, honestly, this is one of those things that I feel like it's super scary. Mm. And being, you know, even if imagining trying to put yourself in that position, like, I don't know, it's like, obviously, I would want to have the best surgeon to work on me. But at the same time, knowing what I know, I would also want, like, new, like, fresh neurosurgeons also get experience. Mm. Right? But, yeah, it's... it's Yeah, that's one of those... Um... I don't know. Like, <laughs> maybe that's one of those. Don't, 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 don't tell me too much about what exactly <laughs> the structure of your intern plan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> maybe don't tell us. Just maintaining my calm. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> during this whole thing. Yeah, it's just better. Don't tell us who is going to do it. Just tell us. No, it's going to be the best of the best, and just you no, know, whatever. Yeah, so l- let me know the senior guys in the room. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And he's uh, keeping a close eye on anyone who needs to learn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, but anyway, um, going yeah. back to Akin, um, so and Gabe. So Gabe, uh, as they were, you know, uh, Akin was healing. Um, Gabe, his la- uh, Akin, uh, Gabe's lungs started to heal, and uh, burned flesh started to slough off. Like, oh, that's just. That just imagine like can you imagine like having an arm like for example burn on your arm and suddenly there's just like slime coming down it's just the the waste the tissue being like no he rejected that yeah it's like a an accelerated wound healing process right I suppose so you get all that kind of you know like layer of scabbing and various Mm-mm-mm. ooze in that's the scientific term <laughs> tasty <laughs> but yeah. Uh, with the tissue signs to slough off, and the Gabe, uh, Gabe basically would need food and drink very soon. But at least he was healed enough not to die anytime uh, soon as well. So, and just just as Akin was finishing, Gabe heard footsteps, and Akin immediately recognized them as being belonging to Gilbert San. And as they were trying, staying quiet, hoping that he would miss them, unfortunately, he stumbled upon them. Do this um this ability that Akin has to just recognize people from their footsteps is actually pretty cool. I know, and also he he only heard his footstep like when he was young, and he still remembered that you know it was him still. Yeah, it was like twenty years ago. It's pretty crazy. Like, uh, mm. I mean, they do have the memory of everything, so. Mm. Like, um, uh, the memory of everything plus like gate recognition hearing. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like there is uh, in the. Um, uh, uh, artificial, you know, recognition of people, right? Even if they were like masks mm-hmm. or something, gate is enough to actually some recognize them as well. It's one yeah, of the yeah. factors that's actually quite uh, individual for people. So, mm-hmm. yep. If you want to avoid the uh, the gate recognition, cut just uh, cover your face with a hat with like some some infrared LEDs under the brim to protect <laughs> your face. You got to walk funny like in dune yeah exactly and also i would say wear like a very puffy dress so that it hides how you're walking basically Mm. but yeah yeah gabe and akin both sat up and started conversation with uh, gilbert and you know gilbert asked gabe like if he was hurt but gabe told him not anymore thanks to akin um gil was sorry for the fire because they you know they would never have burned this house but for but for gabe for all he knew it was as if he did it anyway. Uh, but Akin jumped in saying that it was actually Nessie or Neki, whatever their name is, um, the psycho, and the man who tried mm. to get into his house and Gilbert told Akin to shut up. But Gabe told him that if he dies, the whole humanity dies. You know? 
And Gilbert responds by saying that Dave will die anyway. And when Gabe mentions Mars, Akin realizes that Gilbert doesn't believe. He believes your Mars idea is a trick. A way of gathering in the resistors easily to use them on the ship or in the Onkali villages on Earth. A lot of people feel that way. This is my world, Gilbert Chen said. I was born here and I'll die here. And if I can't have human children, fully human children, I'll have no children at all. Um, which is exactly what we expected would be the attitude of yeah. the subset of the people. Yeah. yeah. And um, But the fact is, is that like um, it's, it's a really stupid also uh, way of thinking, right? Like the thing is like a way of gathering in the resistance easily to use them on the ship or Don Kali villages. Like Don Kali could have done it anytime they wanted. Like they would literally just put you to sleep. You'd even not notice when they come for you. Like what the hell are you on about, man? It's another one of these. Like I, I can, I can kind of, I, I, I get where he's coming from, but he has to have this assumption that the Onkali are just vastly less in control than they actually are. That he has to be in denial about that yeah. before he can get to this place. Yeah, and you but, know. Yeah. This man is also the man who also believed that, you know, scaring Amanskak was okay to do, so just to have mm. children, so okay, cool, man. But the, Akin does tell him what that Mars is not for him. It is not for anyone who doesn't want it because it will be a hard work, risk, and challenge, and it's not for people who want Earth because it will never be Earth. Mm. Gilbert thinks that Akin is trying to influence his decision by using some sort of childish psychology, but Akin simply will say, basically tells him, it's simply, I'm simply say, stating the truth, you know? No one will go to Mars if he dies here, so you have a decision. And that, may, that stops the man in his tracks, he, and after some time, eventually, he just turns around and goes back towards the burning village. Hmm. Yeah, so there's a, enough doubt there yeah. that uh, he won't take the, the risk. that risk. Yeah. Mm. And the chapter ends with Gabe saying that if the, the, that indeed was psychology, it was incredible. By Keen saying that was a fact, and you know, that means like Gabe is like, yeah, I was afraid so. And Gabe tells Akin that he's too valuable now to take such risks anymore, and they should go where it is. And the chapter mm. ends basically. Yeah. So we've got this, uh, you know, some arson and an escape. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Some action, some uh, tension, and mm. now they're on the way back to a uh, assembly point. Mm -hmm. yep. In case and of the, fire, this... please head towards this uh, forest to uh, for the assembly point five. Thank you. <laughs> in a calm and uh, organized yep. manner, please do not panic. <laughs> Follow the people in the yellow vests. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if they'll have another of um, pulled off high vis just yet. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, honestly, the whole... Uh, I think at this point, Akin is right. Like, you know, it's not the place for them. Mars is not for those people. If they want to die on Earth, that, that's, you know, that's that's their choice and they should just stay where they are, waste their yeah, remaining I mean, of their lives. Yeah, is, uh, like we said, we're kind of accepting, you know, expecting that, um, that schism, right? It yeah. was kind of inevitable. Yeah. So, you know, there will be definitely some people that want to join and they will be like coming to join Akin, but a lot of them probably will just give themselves up. It's going to be literally Fallout type of thing, you know, like um, those I mean, it's, remnants it's already, are going to make already... raiders, basically. Mm -hmm. Nessie's going to shave her head and show like, in the you know, those like Fallout <laughs> New Vegas type of haircuts. 
Yeah, a bit of, bit of Mad Max. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Basically, you know, like, scalping children. Damn woman. Mm, but um, more more jungle, right? <laughs> yes, more jungle type of... Uh... <laughs> I like, um, I don't know, maybe a bit uh, Apocalypto. You ever seen that film? Mm, no, no, I don't think so. <clears throat> that's that's a it's a crazy movie. <laughs> it has some historical inaccuracies, but it's also it's it's a very compelling watch. Okay. Very action intense. Okay, okay. Yeah. Need to check it out then. But yeah, I guess um, let's okay. go to my chapter uh, eight predictions. Chapter eight? Yeah. So I thought that Gabe and Akin will reconvene with Tate, and you know, as there are with whatever other people are there waiting, um, uh, they will start moving towards um, law, village law. I wrote Phoenix, but that's a mistake. I mean, I meant law. Hmm. Um, okay. But someone actually intercepts their sort of journey, like, the, you know, the last sort of tension type of thing, you know, like okay. that, you know, like points a gun at them, be like, where the hell do you think you're going type of thing? And someone dies, basically. Okay, well, that didn't quite no, play out like that. it didn't happen. It basically is like, yeah, yeah, we start moving. and uh, But, you know, but let's get to it and that, that'll mm-hmm. explain itself. Sure. So, Tate and some people were waiting for them on the edge of the forest. And Tindo's parents were there, Matteo and Pilar Leal. Yori was there, Colina Wilton and Stancio Roybal. Abira and some other people as well. N- not named, but some people that uh, Akin didn't recognize. And when they arrived, Akin, uh, Gabe asked about Macy, um, but he still hasn't arrived. So the conversation continued, but you know, some chatting about, about Macy, and Akin tells them that he heard him going outside But uh, when he heard Nessie, but doesn't know what happened to the man. And as they were sort of waiting for, for, the, for any more people to arrive, eventually Colina decided to go get him, but Stancio suggested he should go instead because no one noticed him leaving anyway. And as they were about to leave, they told them that uh, about the rendezvous point, you know, north to the big river and then east along it, mm-hmm. and, ha- and then hugged Colina, wishing her bringing Macy safely to them. Akin called Stancio and told him that you no, know, he noticed that the man isn't looking so well. Uh, th- this is the same man, just for everyone. This is the same ma- uh, man that Akin saw lying in, drunk in the ditch when he first arrived in the Phoenix. Um, mm-hmm. But he was sober now. But maybe he, there was something, tre- uh, something with him. Maybe Akin suggested to you know he could he could treat him before he goes. But the man only say ask uh, Akin if Mars is real, and when Akin tells him yes, Stancio just tells him focus on that and not to worry about them. And basically, the chapter ends with Gabe lifting Akin up, and all of them moving towards directing, you know, as they say in the rendezvous point that actually was the Law Village, and that's where the book two adulthood rights finishes. Comes to an end, yeah. So it seems like. Um... Macy and, and Stancio probably went back to Phoenix and, well, we don't know what happened to them, but uh, they may have met with a the, sticky end. Yeah, the, I, um, I feel like... St- uh, um, Macy or, Stan- or Kalina? Uh, um, Macy, Macy. Macy, yeah. Uh, Macy was there already and then Kalina and Stancio were supposed to go get him and I feel like oh, what yes. will end yeah. up is basically none of them are going to join because... One, they're either gonna be kept there or they're gonna be killed by the mm. crazy people from the. Mm. <sighs> yeah, so we, we kind of have a little bit of history with with Stancio. I don't really remember much about 
cleaner. So it's one of the things that I think might have made that hit just a little bit more is if we'd had a couple more interactions between Akeen and those two. Yeah. Back when he was in um, in Phoenix in the earlier point. Um, wasn't Stancio the man also who um, was teaching Akeen um in the scavenge like the this uh, salvaging uh, site i don't know why but i have the strange feeling he was the man either explaining to akin you know there was those plastics or um, he was the one who was uh, like um cutting wood and telling uh, telling akin about the life of uh, before the war I have this strange feeling that it's one of those people. I would have to check, but... Yeah, it could have been. That's a, there's quite a lot of names to keep tra- straight yeah. in Phoenix. That's the other the I, challenge. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember names of people I've met in real life, and I will definitely not remember names of people I've read in the book. <laughs> Especially when things happen for me, from my perspective, happened, I don't know, like months ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's really actually funny because like you know when we read this book when i read this book you know a few chapters at a time before every you know recording like and a lot of the story like takes months between the events so in a way i sort Mm. of like follow the storyline almost to the dot (laughs) it's a bit more real time yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. okay then um should we uh, talk a little bit about kind of the broader summary of the yeah book so I've made sort of a summary of each part sort of to remind everyone what was happening. And that's what I actually mentioned in the beginning of the of this episode, that you no, know, this whole book was about Akin's life. Hmm. So in part one we have when Akin was being born, in part two when he is you no know, uh being kidnapped and the whole journey. Then, you know, in staying in Phoenix and, you know, learning about the humans. And then part three is about when he's, you know, nearly an adult before the metamorphosis. And then part four, which we just covered, was basically Akin planning the steps to give another chance for humans um, to live as humans mm-hmm. on Mars. So um let's get to it i guess i will just uh briefly summarize the each part so feel free richard to stop me whenever if you remember something jump in if i have any commentary yeah sure so in part one the book starts with akin um although at the time the name akin was not known to us uh but Mm. we already knew that it was a boy in lilith's womb and when the time comes you know the boy is born the story starts with him learning about his environment and his family um, he also learns about Joseph, his biological father, um, because that's you know uh, Joseph's sperm was used. He was, it was preserved by Nikanj, and um, and that you know he learns about that you know he can sense the DNA, the genome of the being with. He uses his sensory tentacle that was in his tongue. And part one law basically tells us about his development and learning about his surroundings, the plants, the animals, life itself in general. And eventually we meet Tino when Lilith and Akin are out uh, foraging who comes joined, uh, and joins the village eventually. And one day as Tino and Akin are out, um, several resistor men appear and almost kill Tino and kidnap Akin. And that's where the part one sort of, of the book finishes. Yes, yeah, a, a really interesting like perspective to open up on, right? Because yeah. we have kind of you know, Akin's consciousness like right from the start, right? Of- 
before he's even born. Yep. Uh, yep. And we get to kind of experience some of his uh, sensory capabilities that are not quite human. Mm-hmm. And yeah, about the whole yeah, you know so skin, you know, like the um the the light patches, you know, light sensitive patches he can see f- technically through his skin, type of thing, mm-hmm. and that you no, know, the first time when he connects to um. Uh, to Lilith and she says like it was like basically a, a hot fire like burning you know metal rod being put in her body because he didn't know how to like control the pain mm. uh, but you know Nikanj tells her like oh he's not gonna ever do it again he's realized because he felt the pain she felt um, mm-hmm. and then you know when Tino approached and like Lilith is like hold tight and then she just breaks uh, you know Tino's basically you know massive bow with, with her hands yeah. type of uh, thing yeah. you know Hmm. So yeah, it was quite an interesting chapter, like the part basically, you know, learning about a newborn baby who has basically consciousness of an adult, awareness hmm. of an adult, but still lack of the experience of an adult. So yeah, yeah, and it's it's, uh, it's also it's quite fun to because we we're kind of quite close perspective with with Lilith in the first book, first book. Yep, and then in the first part of this book we get to see lilith from other people's perspectives yeah and like it it kind of really like from inside lilith's head like you know she's kind of a like you know a very capable intimidating kind of a person right she's she's uh like you get that impression right so that she she knows what she's doing she's got it together but then you see it from the outside and it doubles down on that impression yeah yeah although you say that but in first book it was a lot of things like you know her doubting herself and you know her struggles and stuff like that you know Mm. like uh, being waken up in the alien world but um yeah, but yeah, she was I mean, always it, a badass um, character, a point of badass, you know, like someone who um was like, you know, trying to follow up with, you know, with whatever decision she had to make. She 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 owned it, right? She owned her decisions. And then mm. in the book two, from the perspective, like when Akin's like, Yeah, my mom is awesome type of perspective yeah. is just like, yeah, she is. <laughs> yeah, it's a it sort of comes without the the color of some of her own internal doubts so yeah. it, that's that's how it how it kind of drives the impression home right yeah 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 <laughs> although uh, saying yeah, that, that we great. do have learned about the whole idea of like when lilith just goes on on her like journeys right when she's doubting her mm. her life you know what her decision when she's like you know um goes quiet and just you know worries but she's done it before so they sort of ignore it in a way but you know there is still some the uh, aspect of her you know like being a fragile human being right oh yeah yeah that's uh it yeah it's a but even just um like seeing the way that she handles that from the outside it's is is still um yeah it's still a very interesting uh additional lens to have on her character yeah you know she just uh, kind of goes off and deals with her uh, frustrations yeah and doesn't uh, doesn't let it color her interactions with the all this the others yeah. yeah but yeah so then we go into part two um uh, phoenix which tells a story about akin's kidnapping and the journey to the village of phoenix um you know we learn about the resistors that uh, uh kidnap akin and you know be- being wary of akin and trying to sell him to different villages on the way but eventually, some of them befriend the boy. 
but some of them befriend some of them um, get really scared mm. of him and on the way one of the men dies because of an ulcer um, and you know that that really puts attention on the group and eventually their travel ends in the Phoenix village where we uh, where Akin meets Tate uh, our old friend Tate and tells her a truth about himself that his mother is Lilith and, you know, at some point in the story, a gunfight starts because Tino's father seeks revenge for his son on his on the resist on the uh, resistor or the people who um, kidnap a king. And most of them die, except mm. for the man who actually is responsible for all of it. Yeah. And then the mm. part basically continues on about, you know, with Akin's life in the village. Meeting another pair of Onkali constructs, Amma and Schacht, who are then taken to the salvage site to eventually escape because of, uh, you know, potential psychopath, i.e. Nessie, who wants to mutilate the girls in order to remove their tentacles and make them look more human-like. And Akin basically spends almost two, three years with the salvages, trying to learn as much as he can about the humans. And then after this long period of time, his mother and, well, his family comes and gets him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this sort of uh, almost like permitted to come and get him by the uh, the Oankali yeah, consensus. Yeah, basically yeah. He, they they left him there to learn about the humans, and now it was time for uh, for Akin to be collected, and then you know spend twenty years <laughs> in the part three, mm. basically going from village to village, shagging some other humans, <laughs> and you know just spending on his life on journey on on wandering about. Mm. So. Th- couple of things in part two, a yeah. couple of sort of themes that come up. So the whole journey of Akeen with his kidnappers mm. is an interesting one, right? Because this whole, um, as with so many of the things in Octavius work, there's this interesting sort of complicated power dynamic, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, there's this full-grown adult men and like a year-old baby, but the baby's from the Oankali and it's like, inherently dangerous for them to even have it yeah because you know it will anger the oankali and you know bring down their uh not spot their not really their wrath per se right it, it's just you know they they will like come in and take him back yeah and there's not much they can do about it yeah um and then akin was also you know he's dangerous in his own right right he has his autonomy he's he's clever he can listen he can manipulate he can sting it's uh, so there's this there's that weird like balance right they're kind of they've kidnapped him they're abusing him to some degree right they're not treating him as they should a newborn but the then he also has this like little bit of an edge and so it's a, uh, it's a, a weird dynamic and then we learn about their the background of these guys who have just gone and like kidnapped this baby mm-hmm. and like you know they they had families they seemed like fairly functional human beings yeah. in the world prior to the whole apocalypse taking place this. yeah yeah and and yeah it's a it's a very strange uh complicated set of human interactions yeah. that that we get there which it's uh no always the case <laughs> in, in in the relationships that seem to be in, in Octavia's stuff yeah also uh, um if i may we also learn about more mm-hmm. about like the humans uh you know about the whole society after mm-hmm. uh after the whole apocalypse you know the whole phoenix you know like when gabe shows the akin the coin of the phoenix with the cross mm. 
on it and explains, you know, the whole idea of them like trying to reconstruct Bible from memory type of thing. You know, like yeah, we have this this whole wider kind of how what are the the sociological as well as individual psychological consequences for this kind of little human group that is living here yeah. of being in the conditions that they're in right they have the Oankali kind of now distant but like an obvious power that they can't compete with yeah and though no, they can't have kids and they don't have any real like like forward trajectory right there's no kind of overarching purpose for what their lives can be because they're they're kind of just stuck in the shadow of the Orancali at this point exactly and they've sort of lost purpose because of it so you have various forms of kind of denial and attempts to find purpose in what's what they can right so they have this the religiosity and and some of them are uh just giving up on societal norms entirely and doing the whole raiding behavior yeah it's yeah so it's real sort of mess and exploration of like what would happen to a human society without any kind of direction or purpose exactly exactly you know like mm. trying to sort of in a way they were trying to remember and rebuild but the what there was originally but then eventually hitting that inevitable boundary that that mm. stopped that basically you know you can't you can do as much as you know as far as you go here but without a proper function you know like functioning society that can mm. cooperate between with themselves you will not go that far so and that's exactly what you no know, happens in the book, you know, towards the end in part four, in fact. So mm, yeah, the, the the futility of their situation is sort of getting to people, and you see the kind of the the decline of that initial. Maybe we can put some kind of purpose on this, uh, but then it's just and more and more people are uh, having some kind of substance abuse issue or yeah, and whatever else is going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Know, the whole idea of you know everybody raiding each other and stuff stuff you know like mm. the physical atrocities atrocities they were doing to each other mm. and you know like that just yeah, shows that basically a, it's typical for decline of a society just a descent into anime yeah yep. but yeah so i guess that was basically part two and then part three starts nearly 20 years after the part two when akin is actually um a young man and his wandering face going from village to village to his friends as they described him, you know, his uh, female friends as... Uh, was it Agjai who... Uh, liaisons. Yeah, like, no, who uh, who said it to him that, like, oh, I'm aware of your, like... Um, uh, what's the chance uh, sister name uh, of... Um, uh, Ahajus? Ah, yes, Ahajus, yes. That's, that's you know, she, she was like, you know... Akin's, you know, she's Onkali, excuse me, Akin's Onkali mother, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I know about, you know, all of those, you know, like female friends you should probably say goodbye to, type of thing. So I think what wasn't those Lilith was doing that too at one point, right? Yeah, getting on the shuttle. Yeah, yeah. 
just generally mortified yeah basically yeah. when both of your mothers are just going like maybe you should go to say goodbye to your female friends and you're just like mom please stop you're embarrassing me type of thing <laughs> yeah definitely uh, that whole section had a few um uh like the trials and tribulations of adolescence <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah uh, thrown in there yeah. So yeah, so yeah. basically the part, uh, yeah, in the part we begin on Earth initially with Dichan and Tino talking about Akin and his wandering face, as they call it, and you know, and the conversation eventually leads to about discussion about humans being able to, you know, reproduce just by themselves without the presence of Onkali, and eventually leads to the decision that Akin needs to go to the onto the Onkali ship to learn about the Onkali part and be able to create a case for the Akja humans. The journey would also be used to heal the broken bond between Akin and his sibling Tikuchak. Um, once on the ship, Dichan, who accompanied Akin and Tikuchak initially, introduces them to his side of family, and the family the family gets to know about Akin and the, his sibling. And you know when they feel their broken bond, the decision is made for them that they need to uh, they need a sub adult Uloi to he- to heal them. Furthermore, Akin actually gets introduced to an Akjai Uloi, the, uh, the one of those uh, original uh, Uloi, uh, Ak- sorry, Onkali, where he gets to learn from them about the whole species. Mm. Um, eventually, the Akjai... Yeah, mm-hmm. a... Go on. A... Yeah, this, this whole section has some, I think, some themes of kind of, like, Akin's learning their... Um... Is learning a bit more about the Onkali culture, right? Because he's been in the kind of the hybrid culture of the trading villages, and he's learning more about how the Onkali do things, yeah. how they communicate with their, their various kind of um, symbiotic organisms, yep. I suppose, that are their technology, right? Yeah, yeah, and how their sort of consensus works and all that stuff, right? And so there's, I think, there's a sort of um, there's a theme there of like this uh, sort of the challenges of like cross-cultural communication because you kind of understand through Akin's experience of, of the the Oankali culture and his experience of the human culture like where the sources of like misunderstanding are yeah. like how it is that the Oankali have made the the errors that they've made yeah. in the understandings of the human because of their particular blind spots so it's like and, and the, because of the things that they uh, believe about what you know. Th- you know they think that if they gave the humans an Akjai, it would be doomed, and that would just be cruel in the long run. So that's kind of like you're gonna you get their justification for it, and then they have this whole thing of not like you know they can't really lie in their mode of communication, and they don't really understand like storytelling and kind of allegorical stuff as a component of human culture yeah. we get that early on with like akin's like this is a lie but it's it's a story and it's kind of a yes, metaphor yes. for a thing yes and that that kind of disjoint because the oankali have this fusion between their biology and their culture at a much tighter level than humans currently do that that leads to a sort of miscommunication about the nature of human culture for and and what it would mean to preserve human culture because so much of it's still external to the human biology so mm. they kind of think they're keeping them or keeping their culture going with what they've given them but they're then they're not and yeah so you, you kind of come to understand this whole 
like how this mishandling took place and despite the Oankali's kind of you know respect for the autonomy of of people in in, in theory their their like inability to understand this and their kind of arrogance about their correctness and thinking that they've understood mm. this kind of illusion of transparency that they've had has caused all this human pain and suffering exactly yeah no absolutely you're you're absolutely correct in here um it's it's pretty um it's pretty stark contrast when we're back on the ship again with the whole idea of like how um Donkali live and especially the Agjai Onkali, right? The fact that there exists, you know, the, mm. the just in case Onkali um that are have this original shape of a slug type of thing that's you know that was modified like whenever like giant caterpillar thing. Yeah, more like a caterpillar thing, yeah. That um that was like that they changed their form to resemble more human-like uh, shape when um the first encounter earth so mm. it is there is this this dissonance between what the onkali say and what they actually do type of thing or rather yeah. misunderstanding of what uh humans want and what the onkali want and the onkali's mm. actions mm-hmm yeah, I think it's, it's it's kind of a um, like the Onkali have misunderstood, and they're in a position of power over the humans. Yeah. So there's not it's like sufficient opportunity for resistance by the humans to correct their misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and potentially for them to to you know get along more as equals, uh, the because of the the asymmetry in in the power of this relationship the Oankali have yeah. free reign to to do what they want and the humans can't really do anything about it adequately make their case yeah 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 absolutely so yeah um eventually i had the uh, Agjay who was introduced uh, the Agjay Oloi was uh, who was introduced to Akin learns about Akin's story and agrees there needs to be something done about humans being able to live and reproduce by themselves Right, so that's when Akin is actually introduced to Dekyacht, a potential, also introduced to um, Dekyacht, a potential sub-adult Oloi partner, and, and its presence, very intriguing, as often you know, described in the book, helps to smooth the bond between Akin and T. And one day, you know, Akin teaches Dekyacht and uh, Tikuchak about his experience as a child, and them basically going to um the you know Dekia going to his family and T going to his family and blah type of thing triggers the consensus meeting uh with which ends with the decision that Nakin will have to learn the means to create a planet in this case Mars for humans to live by themselves so yeah it's for me it's the fact that you know Don Kali sent a child to experience to be kidnapped and then they never rescued him for they rescued him only after three years of living with the humans to actually find and realize that the humans need to be have the, also the same chance as the onkali the, the whole you know having agjai human agjai onkali type of thing mm-hmm. it took them yeah, they, they, i don't know like 300 didn't... years of studying humans to to come down to that conclusion in general uh yeah i suppose actually okay yeah <laughs> Yeah, you know, they had everyone uh, on ice, quote unquote, for quite a while, yeah. didn't they? Mm. It was like 250 yeah. years after the whole in the book one. We were told 250 years. Then we know that mm. uh, Lilith spent few years on, like two, three years on the ship 
after the awakening. Mm-hmm. Then we know that it's been like around seven, eight years after the events of book one, because uh, Lilith already had, you know, the village was of law was established, mm-hmm. Lilith had a few more children. And then, and then obviously... Had, uh, 20 years time skip. Yeah, and then the 20 years time skip for Akin, and um, basically, and then, you know, uh, yeah, so it's around, we're talking about 300 plus years of, you know, for mm-hmm. Don Kali to realize that, oh, actually, with a species that actually is as intelligent as us, because, you know, capable of the same intelligence, mm-hmm. they need also the ch- have the ability to have the choice. But obviously, they can't have the choice because the Earth is going to be stripped of all of the nutrients and bio biomass and all the elements for the mm. future ship. So, yep, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, are a little bit slow on the uptake there. Yeah, <laughs> that mm, I guess you know it's type of thing with like you know fantasy elves type of thing. Like, oh, they live mm. so long that they you know for them time passage of time is just nothing but like a mm. blink of eye you know 100 years is just blink of eye you know i mean one of the other like the, the, there are definitely kind of parallels and metaphors for like uh, colonial occupation oh yeah of, absolutely uh, yeah right that's like clearly a, <laughs> i mean a, a, a thematic thing I mean, right? that's that's exactly throughout. what happened right right <laughs> so it's like yeah, yeah. well yeah now we've exploited the area enough and yeah we'll consider giving you your independence rights like thanks yeah and it, i think that like the 300 year time scale is um like not not completely out of line with uh you know the sort of things that happen yeah. in uh, history here yeah. yeah yeah and it's it's an interesting challenge right because the and uh, as a a story about colonialism uh, like this one is really interestingly nuanced right because the onkali are like they're not totally painted as the bad guys in this whole thing exactly uh, it's very gray like right yeah it's, it's Every, every every aspect of it's gray. All the interpersonal relationships are gray. The whole interaction between the Onkali and the human race is gray. The whole nature like, of the, the Onkali, the sexuality yeah. is gray. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the whole, like you know, the whole aspect of Onkali. You know, like they are bound to to that trade, as they call it. Um, mm. But we we call it a trade, but in their language, in the, you know, in the, it's but much more nuanced because it's. It's like the most intimate thing for you know that ever existing you no know, exchange of uh, genome with species that complete is completely different to you type of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a it's a genetic trait. Yeah, it's a yeah, that's a got some pretty intimate connotations in human culture. Yeah, exactly. So, and you know the whole <laughs> fact that you know it's a five plus family type of thing. You know. Uh, so, with the yeah, with I an think... ulo in the middle, like you know, it's not a patriarchal, matriarchal uh, type of family. It's an ultraical. Yeah, yeah, ulo-yarkal? Yeah, ulo-yarkal? <laughs> yeah. You always correct me, well, and I always I'm not sure. <laughs> I always forget. I, I I don't know. I'm making that one up. <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 pretty like completely alien type of you know behavior, but it's it's always nuances. Like you know, it is colonialism, and all is ours. And it always will be type of thing. It's like the meme, you know, of like uh, the, the astronauts and the other one holding a gun behind the other ones. It's like so. Always been colonialism. Mm. Has it always been colonialism? It always has. It's like yeah. 
No, but it's a, a, I think an interesting aspect of like the sort of the thing that Octavia does with with a, with a lot of her writing seems to be like she adds in all of that gray to kind of force you to think about it in a nuanced way. Yes, right, because it takes a situation that's that's complex in a human context and then adds a couple of extra weird elements that just add like difficulty and complexity to thinking about the the nature of the relationships and stuff and i think that that forces you to to re-examine not only the like complexity of the dynamics in the world that she's created but also in the real world yeah no absolutely and the fact is that, like it's it makes you think about both sides right from the perspective mm. of both sides. Although we don't know about the Onkali side much because they're so alien. Basically, Octavia never actually showed the perspective on Onkali until we meet Akin, who is the blend of between the human and the Onkali, right? Mm. And that only is the only time when we actually learn a bit of the perspective of the, you know, the, the wanting to learn about the nature and wanting like... But it is... It always the books always makes you think about the other side's perspective. It it does it's not like one side of this is Evelyn, you know, throughout the whole book. Yeah, there's there's no there's no copy like cookie cutter bad guys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for the most part. Yeah. Right. There's there technically there's... is no bad guys because at some point the bad guys in the books were the humans, right? The resistor villages who were raiding, you know, innocent people, right? But mm. realistically, those people were basically desperate to to you know to live as they used to do yeah, right yeah. i mean it's it's like we said with the uh, earlier with the guys who kidnapped a king yeah. right in in their former lives they were normal humans yeah. like normal functional people exactly so it's just like <laughs> at this point it feels to me like uh this book really makes you think about like makes you think full stop right it doesn't it's not like she doesn't throw obvious like you know oh this is bad right she actually makes you consider like all of the sides of the conflict and i think it's fantastic that it makes you do that because then you realize the right perspective is that we do certain things because we bound to do them because there's a lot of like the as as she said you know the the conflict the contradiction in the humans Mm -hmm. right the hierarchical type of thing that with the necessity of you know survival us versus them versus you know, intelligence, like that the humanity yeah, is yeah. only the reason only human like Homo sapiens species is so successful is because we created communities that can survive together and they can take care of each other. And that's that that's the you know, that's the whole idea about it. You know, like and you know, it's but in put in a way that we have aliens, right? So Yeah. yeah. I mean like you know, they are they are in Carly, they they come in with their own way of wanting to do things. And they find the humans having like literally just blown themselves up, yeah. And the the remnants of that, so they're kind of coming in as like like the humans weren't really going to survive unless the Owen Kali had come in, yeah. and done something. So like they kind of saved the human race, but at the same time, then all of how they went about handling that subsequently has a lot of problems associated yes. with it. And it's yeah, so it's it's just so. Like whenever you whenever you think like, okay, uh, I can put this character in in a box. Um, there's always at least something. There's always I mean, there's a, a fuzzy edge on the like, box, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a few few people where it, like it kind of leans in a bit, like like you know Nessie, 
or Neki, whatever the pronunciation is yeah. f- for her. Like, kind of leans pretty negatively Don't forget Kaguya. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, no, yeah. we can't put them in the same box, but Kaguya is basically no, an no. asshole. Like, the, his just character is basically a sarcastic asshole. But he... Yeah, it's like, but it's nothing compared to Nessie, right? It has a couple right? of really characteristics. Right? Yeah. So, like, that yeah. woman was basically made... But I feel like she... Like, we we throw, you know, like, we throw dirt at her, but in reality, she's a desperate woman who mm. wants to have children. And then by the end of part four, she basically gives up, gives her, uh, gives up on her life and basically just succumbs to, you know drunk you know you know as you said you know, dry or drugs or basic alcohol in this case and mm-hmm. basically gives up and you know is willing to go as far because she she lost her humanity as such if you would say yeah the the the, the bad guys are all pretty tragic characters yeah that's yeah she's the she's basically a result like i mean like i i can imagine her being a karen in normal life basically <laughs> like you know just uh being a obnoxious type of Car person and doing stuff just because mm. pushing the you know limits of things like you know just because someone doesn't know doesn't you know she will do it type of character but in the yeah, same time yeah. like she is <clears throat> she is the result of the environment she was brought in right so hmm. he, I think that that actually that brings it to one of the other big themes is like environment versus biology yeah. or nature or whatever you want to frame that nurture as. versus nature right type of thing yeah yeah, yeah. that's a, a a massive underlying theme both in the way the humans act and the oankali act and the whole nature of the exchange of genes and the attitude that the oankali have towards the humans because they think they're genetically flawed this uh, yeah that that whole uh situation is just like you add the additional piece of complexity of the oankali have this ability to manipulate their own biology and the yeah. biology of all the stuff that's around them and that it's like you know, that, that recurses and reflects on their culture as well exactly. so it's although yeah, yeah. there there is an aspect of influence on of environment on them so we do learn that in case oh, yeah. of stressful environment the species that the babies they were born will go toward uh, turn into uloi because uloi's have the high, the highest chance of survival because they have mm-hmm. the highest sort of control over the you know genetic manipulation and type of you know type of uh, skill but like yeah, it's yeah. it's it's mostly uh, nature right in, in in their case but also i mean just there's a lot of stuff that's very environmental like the the fact that Akeen is separated from uh, his, his sister, uh, his and, and bro- his sibling, the yeah, sibling. Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, we actually still they, don't know um, what sex the Tikuchak pick. Actually, oh, I, I think it. I think. Um, I think Tiku. Oh, yeah, yeah. T T settled on being male. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think at the end yeah. he started spending more time with Dichan, but I don't think we actually learn at the end what was the final result. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, yeah, a keen sibling, right? Yeah. His whole relationship with them was like, you know, which which sex they would end up and how their relationship would pan out was all dependent on them having an environmental exposure to one another. Yeah. So you have this a really great reflection of the kind of the biological reality of this stuff, which is that 
the environment dictates how your biology is expressed, right? A lot of the stuff in our biology is conditional. It's not predetermined, yes. right? That's, that's a, a very common source of kind of uh, like misunderstanding of when people say something is 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 genetic, right? It's it, just because it's genetic doesn't mean it's determined. Yeah. It's probabilistic uh, and it interacts with environmental yes, cues. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes, that's debatable, but for most of the cases, you're right. Yes, that's absolutely correct. Mm. I mean, it, there are the obvious exceptions of like your, you know your classically Mendelian heritage yeah. conditions, yeah. where like it's a you know your probability is basically one that the thing is going to be a problem. Yeah. Or even sometimes in 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 those like um, there have been instances where people have uh, found people with mutations that we thought was the cause of like a you know a serious inherited mendelian condition yeah. but they seemed fine yeah and there's some other compensating effect in uh, somewhere else yeah. in the genome that we didn't really get so yeah i mean yeah. yes you're yeah. absolutely Even right it's always like it's a balance of things and sometimes the balance goes in a weird way that technically shouldn't work but works because evolution just does things for uh, as long as you survive it doesn't ma yeah. it doesn't matter how it got there <laughs> as long as you know mm -hmm. you propagate your genes right so that's mm -hmm. uh, evolution's a hack yeah basically it's just you know whatever you know, whatever floats boats you know as long as it can survive and you you reproduce off you go mm -hmm. but yeah it's it's it, the whole idea of those you know on kali and the human nature and you know and um how and the bridge of don calling the humans the constructs right mm. being um i don't know for me it just feels like uh octavia butler really did a fantastic job on like on do like, addressing those questions you know like in non-direct way in a way that mm. you know it makes you think about because you know to be fair you would read a book this book and think about like oh yeah Nessie's a bitch and you know Kaguya was an asshole blah blah but when you actually think about it a lot of those characters that we meet are a result of something that happened before and mm -hmm. it's told in a way that is just it's indirect but it also tells us that like you need to pay attention to what you're reading it's it's mm -hmm. not black and white, yeah. and you need to realize that. And you know, it does also, as you mentioned, there are nuances to colonialism, but at the same time, you know, like for all the bad things that colonialism, uh, you know, resulted with, it did bring some good things to the societies, right? Structure and stuff like that. Now, do, yeah, don't I, get me I, wrong. I, never, I would never be for colonialism, oh, yeah. but yeah. I'm saying that there mm -hmm. is some aspect that it brings to the societal, you know, changes. Oh yeah, uh, definitely, and, and the uh, plenty of uh, you know aspects of kind of modern uh, medicine and all the like of it. Yes, that, exactly. Just, you know, kind of the all sorts of aspects of modernity had a, a lot of utility, but like the way that the kind of the way that the politics played out and the way that all of the various people suffered horrendously yes, in the process. That, very much a problem. Yeah, exactly. So, but in the same, and I think in in this book that it, it, I think the the Ancali do get a bit of a um, bit of a running start because of the, the the like the degree to which humanity is in dire straits yes. when they show up. Yeah, right. 
so the i think it in in some ways the uh it, it would be very interesting to see the parallel version of this where the Oankali shows up and humanity hasn't blown itself up yet, yeah. right? Like, what does that look like? Uh, but, yeah. Mm. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I guess uh, let's finalize uh, the summary of the book with part four summary. Mm -hmm. So with part four, we start with a king back on Earth from the ship planning his next steps and the first step is to vi visit the place he has not seen since 20 years ago when he was a child the vi the village of phoenix and akin goes back and basically now the place looks shabbier and dirtier people you know some people drunk on the streets sleeping in the ditch and uh, ditches and in and, and village at the Phoenix Village doing what the other villages were doing, you know, collecting guns and doing raids on other places because people lost hope and they're just bored of their minds. There he meets Tate and Gabe and, you know, tells them about the Mars, but with Tate being in danger due of dying due to a fall that happened to her just before Akin's arrival, two or three months before his arrival, Akin goes and tries to heal her, but just to be interrupted by anxious Gabe. The interruption leads to Akin's premature metamorphosis starting and the boy is spending few months in stasis. And as he slowly regains his ability to communicate with the outside world, he convinces more and more people about Mars to eventually end up escaping the village due to some people trying to kill him um, by setting Gabe and, uh, Gabe and Tate's house on fire, uh, but managing to survive and, you know, going... Uh, with the few people who want to live on Mars, who want to build a place that they can live as humans with him. Uh, so going towards the village of Lo. Mm. And that's where basically part four finishes. Yeah, I just had a thought that maybe this, um, maybe the metamorphosis stuff here serves as a bit of a, almost like a, a, a biblical allegory, right? You've got kind of a, a rebirth component to metamorphosis. It could be. Keen's a bit of a, bit of a savior figure for the that branch of humanity yeah like a lot more gray <laughs> a lot more gray a lot more tentacles basically basically cthulhu is our savior uh yeah look, looks looks less um less appealing than uh, 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 the christian version right? yeah you know, it's always buff jesus yeah <laughs> i always i wonder how much i have uh, um, influence did have did lovecraft have on the um, on the shape of the on kali i don't know yeah that would be interesting but yeah there is a certain lovecraftian horror aspect <laughs> to the the appearance of the on kali yeah the don't know what it is about tentacles, but I don't know. Yeah, Everybody loves tentacles for for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, got kind of a you know, gods of the outer darkness coming in from outside after a massive destructive event. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's got a yeah, I can see it. So yeah, it's 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 been basically as I mentioned earlier, this whole book was about Akin's life and him becoming the messiah. As we joked a lot, you know, previous episodes, you know, with um, Paul Atreides uh, being the Messiah from June, that we have Akin uh, being the Messiah for for the humanity. I mean, like it's not really 
I mean, he's my he, messiah, he, Richard. Kind of, he's my right? messiah. How dare you? <laughs> Yeah, he's it's like a much more kind of grounded version of the Messiah, right? He's he's, he's not really like he's not coming in as like an external savior, right? In no, the same no. Way that the uh, you know, it's not the, the sort of white savior trope, right? Yeah. It's not it's not really that because he's a like he's a mix. To be fair, but, sorry for interrupting, but like to be fair. Hmm. Um, I feel like it could be a long mm. con by Don Cali, right? His whole life mm. was like preparation for this decision, in a way. Mm. As a child, he was left so that he could learn about the humans, because maybe some smarter Don Cali realized that Don Cali cannot learn, accept that, you know, what humanity needs. Mm-hmm. And to reject that whole idea of like, no, we trade, meaning that we trade and you have no other choice. So they created mm. a being that was able to understand that and that who proposed the idea of like, yeah, they need, you know, human agile and then who would be basically yeah, I mean, created, become the, you know, the leading messiah to, to survive. So basically, maybe there, maybe it is a long con it, by it, Don it, Kali. <laughs> it does have certain echoes of the, you know, the Bene Gesserit, the breeding for the Kwisatz Hazarak. It's the whole, yeah, that whole, um, like, long plan of genetic engineering yeah. and planting the seeds of the you know, religion in various places they, yeah i mean it's it, it's a it has elements of a kind of savior trope mm-hmm. but he's not uh it, it also has you know, a little like i say gray yeah so there's always a gray version right uh, and then he's not really ever in a position where he's like adulated as a savior right? the, the, the last scene of this book is like you know they're, they're burning the place down and he's on the verge of being killed yeah. only, only by like a shred of doubt in the mind of you know one of the guys who's not gonna follow him as the messiah is he spared so it's yeah yeah absolutely uh, yeah a complicated version of it yeah <laughs> no it's just it's it's just yeah, it, it was an interesting book, and um, like there's a lot of things we discussed. I mean, in previous episodes, if you know, uh, like the, like topics we've discussed, we've uh, we've summarized a lot of them before. In this ta- in this part four, we just finished. We only talked about things like you know hypothermia, cryopreservation, microwaves, and nutrition heights. So there wasn't that much of science that we talked off. Yeah, I, mean, I think a, a lot of the th- a lot of the fundamentals had already been introduced earlier yes, on. Yes, yes. So, so a lot of more stuff was talked about in the previous part. I think in part two or three, we talked about a lot of topics simply because hmm. um, uh, there was a lot of things to talk about. But in general, this book has had not that many... Um, well, we do love go on tangent, and we always will find a way to, you know, introduce <laughs> some weird topic. Just put on a brief mentioning of something <laughs> in the book. Um, I managed to shoehorn my uh, idea for nuclear isotopes. Yes, exactly. Into the last exactly. <laughs> I mean, yes, we did manage to do that. Forgive my forget, you know, forget like that. Yeah, we managed like how to enrich uranium in an organic. You know, I'm sure we are now on some FBI list of like you know, 
uh, watch list, but... <laughs> I think we were probably already on that list. Yeah, so so that's that. At least I was. But like, uh, so hi, all of our FBI agents. I hope you're doing well. Um, but like, in all seriousness, like, yeah, so we we haven't had that many like topics, but we always manage to have some interesting conversation. Um, but to be honest, I'm looking forward to the book three because if it's going to be on like no whole Mars situation, how they're terraforming, we're gonna have a ball of fun to talk about like how how would we do it and how can we do it like type of thing. So, mm. yeah, there's, there's definitely some interesting stuff to talk about in that. Case. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. So uh, on on that note, what what are your predictions for the Ooh, next book? Okay, so. Chapter one for the book three, I would definitely, it's going to, I feel like it's going to definitely start, it's, it's, as we mentioned, it, this is continuation, the book is going to be continuation of the story, so it's definitely going to start with uh, humans congregating somewhere, and probably in law, getting ready to join Akin, to go to Mars, and, you know, start terraforming, learning how to survive. So, obviously, some humans will be, like, you know, around low, bit, bit you know, worried about, but, like, Akin's going to be like, okay, those who want to, you know, are ready to, you know, probably try to survive and help me, let's go to Mars, those will start, and then some humans will be, like, getting prepared for, you know, going to um, to Mars. I don't know how, because we know that the, maybe Don Kali will not help them, but I don't think, I think that they're going to give them some sort of... Shuttling. Didn't they mention something about shuttles? I don't know. Like they like because in previous episode we said like oh the oh the previous part I don't remember but basically mentioning like oh we will not Mm. help them going to Mars but I feel like they will. There's no like there's definitely going to be some sort of assistance to go to Mars. Yeah, I think at the very least they're going to have to learn on some shuttles because otherwise I I I don't don't know what's going to. I don't know how that's going to yeah. work. <laughs> so definitely that's that. But like, it's going to be a continuation of the book two, basically. You no, know? like they're going to continue from there. But I feel like um, mm-hmm. in general, I think the whole story is going to be about the planet Mars. Um, you know, humans trying to survive. And maybe there's going to be some retrospect or some like switching back to Earth. You know, the whole idea of mm-hmm. like, Okay, with them, you know, them just waiting for the rest of the humans that are there, that resist, you know, to die off, and basically, you know, once they all die off, that the the whole planet is going to be stripped, stripped mined from everything it can, and then you know, like, but that's gonna take you know several decades still, or at least not centuries. Okay. Yep. And but yeah, there's gonna so definitely like there's a... there's gonna be some like um sorry, there's gonna be a situation where some resistive like resistance is gonna be like. You know, those on Kali are like, oh, they're taking those humans somewhere on the ship. Either it's definitely not Mars. Let's raid them or something. Let's wage war against them, type of thing. Hmm. Okay. Well, so we had uh, some time skips. Oh yeah. Between <clears throat> last book and this book, and within this book and within the previous book, do you anticipate? No, because I mean, like, I, if there's going to be a time skip, like, like because the book finished as they were going to law. So I feel like there has to be like like the continuation like all of them arriving in law. Oh, Tate and Gabe meeting Lilith, and then like Lilith is like, oh hi Tate, fuck you Gabe, and Gabe is like, oh fuck you Lilith type of thing. But you know they sort of like realize, you know, yeah, Akin's my son. You know he's helping you, 
And Gabe is like, oh, mm-hmm. no way, Akin is my ear son. Oh my god, my whole life was a lie type of, you know, uh, <laughs> drama. Okay, yeah. And uh, any predictions about any new characters? So then we had <sighs> kind of our protagonist in first book is Lilith. And then we've Akin. got our, you know, Akin as the protagonist. Uh, I mean, it's a good point. I mean, like, if the third book, you know, like, if, the, if uh, Octavia would introduce a third character, maybe... But it feels to me that Akin has to continue being the protagonist in a way, because I mean it's it's, it's it still has to be his perspective to be like the one, right? The mm-hmm. one who leads the you know it's his perspective of going to Mars and doing the Mars terraforming and you know dealing with all that stuff. But although it might be that Octavia would be like, no, Akin is on a, on Mars doing his job, you know, nobody, like no drama because everybody's working hard to survive. So maybe we have to introduce another character. I don't know. It could be. Here's the, here's the, here's the po- potential. Maybe a construct Uloi. Now it's time for them because, you know, like the Onkali are like, okay, well, if the humans are supposed to have human um, babies, then maybe it's time to introduce in the construct Uloi type of thing. Don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But it's... I'll, I, I, I'll stop but, asking probing questions. No, but to be fair, I don't know about that. It feels it, but there's the mentioning maybe like, maybe at the end of the book three, they will be like, oh, a construct Uloi has appeared on Earth or on Mars or type of thing, you know, but mm-hmm. I don't, I think it would be mostly Akin. Okay, right. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to... No, I'm honestly, to I'm also looking it. forward to the book, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. Like, you know, it's, fi- it's final, it's exciting. It's the final book. There has to be mm-hmm. some sort of conclusion, you know, so... Um, mm-hmm. Not like in Twilight where they were all supposed to fight and then, you know, at the end it was just <laughs> like a... Uh, it's hallucination, and they're like, "Oh, okay, that's fine. We we forgive you." Type of thing. It's just like fucking hell. Talk about disappointment. <laughs> now we're ending the episode on a twilight. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> I don't know why it came, but I feel like I've you know just proves what things I've read as a as a teenager. But yeah, um. Before we finish, I guess it's good to point out that the next episode, we may or may not take a break between episodes as we did in the previous one, the books was finished, but the next episode is going to be a special episode. And we decided um, a bit different format. Actually, this time uh, we will utilize Richard's... um, idea and actually his expertise on aging and actually we've decided that the whole our discourse about Richard wants to be immortal and I think it's a bad idea debate and basically we will the episode is going to be us discussing back and forth you know for and against for immortality so I guess it's be really interesting to discuss. I think we'll maybe take a break from recording to prepare more about for that um, debate because I'm sure there's yeah, going to so be it, a lot of things to discuss. And yeah, we, we, we'll uh, we'll uh, let it be known when when we're going to release the next yeah. one. But uh, it, it won't it won't be too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like uh, if not the yeah, next a... release time, so not in two weeks. It's going to be definitely in an after that, so sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, thank you very much, everyone, for 
following us with book, you know, following us uh, who were listening to us on the uh, us going through the book to adulthood rights. Um, it was a fantastic journey. It was a great book, and you know, all the places we you know we upload our episodes by now. You should all know, but if you don't, it's xenothesis.com. Um, and yeah, I was Michael Glinka. Thank you very much. And I was Richard Acton. Goodbye. Bye.